And I strongly believe that, you know, in order to move to the next level, you have to do more than what you're asked. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Basketball Strong Podcast. I'm Tim DeFrancesco, former LA Lakers strength and conditioning coach and doctor of physical therapy, and I'm here with my co-host, Emmy-nominated writer and author, Phil White. This podcast is not just for basketball junkies. It's for anyone who loves to hear the human stories behind great people while learning the science behind preparing your body for the court and high performance. This episode is sponsored by Wear Testers. If you've ever bought a pair of basketball shoes only to realize once you go hooping them that it's the wrong fit, then you know. Weartesters.com is a website that'll help you to avoid getting the wrong pair because they provide real reviews from real hoopers. Literally, the co-founders Chris and Drew are out there hooping in shoes to write detailed reviews before you drop your time and money on your next pair. Visit weartesters.com, that's W-E-A-R-T-E-S-T-E-R-S.com, or follow them on YouTube to make sure you're getting the right shoe for your foot. Today's guest is Hannah O'Flynn. Hannah was a multi-sport star in high school and went on to play basketball and track and field at Dartmouth College while juggling her major of film, media, and studio art before getting into work with the NBA and now ESPNW. She's an absolute dynamo. Let's get into the conversation. Hannah, is there a point looking back in the early stages of getting around the game of basketball or growing up within sports where you feel like you kind of fell in love with or the passion got galvanized for the game of basketball for you? Yes. Um, I don't remember it being a clear eureka moment but I definitely remember deciding I was going to take basketball more seriously and that was going into high school I think around uh, eighth or seventh grade I really really looked up to a lot of the girls on the high school team I like idolized a few of them and I remember you know they invited me to a few workouts and I just felt like the coolest person on the planet and uh I don't know. I I just, I think I realized that I loved it. I grew up playing everything. My parents threw me in every sport possible. And I remember at one point in middle school, I was playing like six different sports at once. Uh, And so I I think that there was like a moment where I was like, okay, I'm, I ended up being a three sport athlete in high school, but I was hyper-focused and absolutely adored basketball. And I'd say it was kind of ever since I started playing, uh, sort of like basketball Jones, ever since I was a baby, I always been dribbling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's me for sure. But there was definitely a moment where I just decided to like focus on it more. And, um, so that was sort of going into high school. Got it. Do you think, was it mom, dad, the way they parent, they parented together for you? Mm-hmm. Was there a coach that stood out? What, what really helped you to kind of be able to have that independence to make that choice for yourself, but then really cultivated that for you? Um, I think it was, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I feel like it's partially, I don't know. It's like nature versus na- nurture. I think Yeah. Um, a lot of the program that had been built had been going for a few years and the women's basketball program at our high school was a very winning program um Mandy Zagorowski 
was our coach and um, her entire family, which soon became essentially my family, was hyper focused on basketball and also just like building it within Ipswich where I grew up. And so, you know, they were like Cape Ann League champions, I think almost every year and before I even got there. So I went up to all their games. I was super into like all of those girls. And so I think that was definitely a large piece of it. And then um, I don't know, I, I was good at it too. So I was just like a natural transition. I, I actually remember in seventh grade, I was on um, a few different teams and I remember being frustrated because a few of the teams that I was on weren't as strong as I'd like to be. So I ended up just trying out for the boys team and um, there was an A, B and C team and I made the A team. So I played on like the boys, you know, middle school team and the girls team. And I just remember a few moments in even in middle school when I did like a behind the back move or something and, I, and everyone would be going crazy. I'm like, yep, I like this. <laughs> We, you we you went fire. full you went full white chocolate off the elbow passes everything. <laughs> no, I wish I wasn't that nice then. So, but but still getting those oohs and ahs from the crowd that locked it in for you. Yeah, it was just it was just something I enjoyed on my own more than anything, and I think my environment really pushed me in that direction unknowingly, just because there's so many incredible and supportive people who are in it and role models for me. So. I think it was a pretty natural transition. Now, yeah. am, am I right in thinking that, that you and your sister Ingrid were on the same AAU club for a while? Or uh, did yeah. I get that one? Yeah. Wrong? Okay. So yeah. So tell us about Bridget. that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of five girls. We got Bridget. that Pride yeah. and Prejudice swag yeah. going on. Yes. Um, I'm the oldest of all of them. And my sister Bridget and I, who's the next oldest behind me, we would drive. So on top of our varsity sport that we were playing, we would also after that practice drive to Lynn, um, which was like 45 an hour away, three days a week. And we would do our AAU basketball practice on top of that. Um, so shout out to coach Avery and uh, coach Ridley. They were huge uh, as far as like my growth and just pushing me to become more of like a, I don't want to say offensive player, but AAU is a very, very different experience from playing just in a normal league so you just have to learn to transition and work with that and um so yeah that that was something I was as long as I was playing all the time I was happy so that was something that I also did and my sister was I was really grateful that she got to play with me for um two years of you know we're two years apart so she immediately made varsity and we got to play together and that was something that I like absolutely cherish and we we look back with so much nostalgia of, of those days I even oh. when I go to the high school now I'm like oh I don't want to be that person but you know when you're like just give me a uniform like right. <laughs> run it back I'm like I just can't sit here and watch like you just remember the old days and whatever so how would you com like how would you compare and, and contrast your, your playing style from your sisters at that point Oh, wow. She's a, she honestly was a very different player than me, but we were both very good for different reasons. She was like the go-to person to absolutely shut down the best player on the other team. Like if we were going up against someone and we were doing like a box and one or not even like they had a star, she would cover them and she would like consistently make us win because she would completely destroy them. And she was the person I wish I was this type of player, but I'm not. 
she's the person who, if there's like a loose ball, she will dive headfirst and get that loose ball. And, um, you know, I run, I actually, <laughs> I'm like a sprinter too. And I, I ran track in college, but I, you know, something about my style of play, like all, if it's the end of the game, yeah, I'll go sprint over and dive, but she's just, it's like ingrained in her. Um, and yeah, I'd say we're just stylistically different. Um, but at the same time, I like absolutely adore playing with her for that reason. Cause we complement each other a lot. So on one hand, Hannah, you have the moment in childhood when you're growing up and you just want to play hoop and you're making the boys a team and you're playing with the boys. It doesn't matter to you. It's just basketball. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, what you do now and in a story that you did and a story that was done on you actually on localhoops.com where you said and pointed out the fact that only 4% of media coverage across all sports focuses on women. There is way too much of a gap and a discrepancy there, men versus women. Was there a point in your childhood or growing up or as you went up to what you're doing now where you just, that light bulb did go on is wow, this is a lot. I, all of a sudden I, I do realize there is this discrepancy. It's sort of funny. Cause I feel like I sort of grew up with that discrepancy and I was hyper aware of it, but almost like in an unknowing way, hmm. it was like a self-awareness where you knew it was going on, but you didn't fully know what it was. Um, I clearly remember in middle school, not in middle school in elementary school, um, going out to recess and looking around and being like, man, I'm not really into anything that any of these people are doing, but I see people over there playing football. And so I went over and I ended up starting to play and um, immediately absolutely loved it and ended up doing that every single day of recess for the rest of elementary school. And um, I just, I, I loved it. I was usually one of the top picks. So it was really fun for me. And also like, I was, yeah. I was the only girl. Um, sometimes, you know, one girl would join my friend Lizzie, but for the most part, it was just me. And I remember someone coming up to me at recess and just saying, like, you know, you're in elementary school. People have no filter and they don't even know what they're saying. They just they were just this girl came up to me. She's like, you're such a tomboy. Mm. And I remember being like, thank you. Like, because right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if to me that meant that, you know, I was just doing something that other girls weren't. And it was something that I really liked. I didn't even really fully knew what it meant. But, you know, at, at that time, I remember being like, I hate the color pink. I wanted to I my family would go get manicures and pedicures. And I want nothing, nothing to do with it. Like anything <laughs> that was like stereotypically associated with being girly. Yeah. I wanted nothing to do with it. I would wear a t-shirt and shorts even through middle school. I was like such a tomboy and so into uh, like, didn't even put wear my hair down. Like was so didn't want anything to do with uh, being girly. And it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Cause I look back at it now and it absolutely shaped who I am, but in the same vein, it's like sad that I associated girly, I guess with, um, a certain type of person because you can be girly and also be an athlete. And so I don't know, I I think I was both often, but it is funny that I I definitely realized that there was a gap. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to later in life and playing pickup basketball, like I have for, you know, 
most all of my life. Um, I'm almost always the only girl. So it is something that you absolutely notice and, you know, you pick up on certain tendencies of people being like, you sure you want to play or you on the post posting someone up and they're like, get uncomfortable. And you're like, bro, this is basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're playing right now. Like I'm about to destroy you. Like, I, Got it's just like you know, it's, it's just always something that I think most women in sports experience to a certain degree, whether it's like assuming that you're going to be a certain type of player before you start or um, just feeling like you're the only one in the room because you are. Um, and even now in the workspace, um, in sports media, there are just generally less women in sports media. So, um, I'm lucky in that a lot of my work environments at ESPN and the NBA have been generally like pretty diverse. Um, but that being said, even in certain rooms, I'm the only woman. Um, and so it's just this feeling of repping more than yourself um and feeling like you always have to be on it if not ahead of it because you want to i don't know you you want to be you know <laughs> as great as possible for everyone else that you want that you want to set the precedent for who's right. behind you so um yeah it's definitely something that i've felt through life and it's never really been a eureka moment. It's just been a sort of like nod. Yeah, this is the situation and we can definitely make it better. And I want to be a big piece of that. And that's why it's exciting that I'm working for ESPNW specifically for like just women's sports right now. Um, and then just able to play basketball on my own platform and do stuff on there as well. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how that's um, feeding into the street ball scene with you. So you, you got on the bus and <laughs> you just show up with this squad and you'd run and gun. And that was really cool to see too. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah. The hoop bus family. Oh, shoot. I Look love out. my hoop bus family. Oh my God. So um, for those who don't know, the hoop bus is a nonprofit. It's basically a charity and it physically drives around as a school bus with two regulation sized hoops on either end. Uh, the inside is blown out so that there's some seats on there, but it's a wooden floor and just posters plastered everywhere of legends, WNBA, NBA, uh, and one streetball legends, like anyone you can think of are on the walls. Um, so, and it's usually full of, all different types of walks of life, but the main factor through all of it is just like a love for basketball. So it doesn't matter who you are or your ability. It's just like, if you like hoops, we'll take you. Um, and so basically the hoop bus goes around and it either does like activations where it does clinics with younger kids or, you know, three V three tournaments, or we go to, um, typically underprivileged privileged communities and paint and build basketball courts there. Um, so it's just like a really cool environment to be a part of. And it's brought and introduced me to so many different types of players. Um, so yeah, that, that one uh, activation we did, which there's another one happening soon. I'm actually really excited about, but um, that was a woman's three V three 
tournament um, exclusively women because we just wanted to switch it up because you really don't see when you play pickup, you really don't see more than like a few girls at the same time. If not, it's usually just you. So yeah, we just we pulled up to this uh, beach in LA and we let people know to come through and I painted a backboard that said we got next and we ended up doing like a full tournament and it was actually really cool to see the level of talent um that just showed up I was really blown away and um I don't know yeah since then it's just been the there's two hoop buses now and there's a hoop bus that's coming from Chicago and LA and they've been on the move um I'm actually not exactly sure where in the world they are right now. I'll have to check Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like me. <laughs> right, right. It's constantly, who knows? But um, there's the hoop bus is going to be um, bringing around the WNBA draftees uh, right before WNBA draft. And I think they're going to be trying to do some women's tour uh, specifically women's related activations, uh, in New York and maybe beyond. So that's still kind of in the works. I don't even know if that's like on the down low, but, uh, you know, we'll keep it, we'll keep it. We'll keep it between <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah that, that's been an unbelievable community to be a, community to be a part of and just such an, a beautiful and inclusive, um, warm group of people that I think are honestly at this point, our family. So, um, Showtime. Yeah, it's it's so fun, man. I, I've so many different like games that I've played in that are just like you just learn so much from the people around you and you're like, damn, okay, I gotta get this move down, or like, or you just in, revel in the feeling of like raw street ball, which I think to a certain extent is a little bit lost. I think and one was like really the prime. Mm. Um, and so I think it's just nice to still have that uh feeling and um they were really nice to have during the pandemic when all of the rims were down we would i was in la for a little bit and um everyone basically went around and out of chairs or like whatever scrap you could find they we put like i wasn't part of this actually but i was part of the aftermath when i saw everything they put um, hoops all like on like telephone poles. So like if you're walking around the street, you could just like get a bucket. So they call it survival buckets. Um, so my friends, Lori and Nico and a bunch of other people who are part of the hoop bus um, were a big piece of that. So they're always keeping the community in mind and just, um, I don't know, just trying to bring a little bit of joy to wherever they uh, pull up on, so. That is a happy day when all hoops have been removed and, you know, you hear these crazy stories about skate parks, skate parks or skate ramps being filled in with sand or building materials. And oh it's like, God. oh my goodness. It's so like, yeah, oh, when the hoop bus shows up, that is time. it. Yeah, we could get into that whole thing, but that was a good day for those communities when the bus rolls up. Yeah. Just being on that bus is an experience. If you ever get the chance, absolutely do it. Uh it's like you're, you're like a kid again and it, it makes sense because it's an actual literal school bus, but it, it does feel like Miss Frizzle or someone's cruising in the front and you're on some <laughs> crazy adventure. Man. So you're, you kind of took that baton from the young women ahead of you that you were idolizing growing up mm -hmm. and, and getting, making varsity. And then you were that 
woman on that team and, and leading the charge, but then it was time to pick a school. You ended up at Dartmouth. How did that play mm-hmm. out and what was that process like? And then tell us about the Dartmouth chapter for you. Oh yeah. Um, my decision to go to Dartmouth was honestly probably one of the hardest decisions I've made. Um, it was, it was tough because um, getting recruited as an athlete is an extreme privilege and something that's ex- very exciting. And, um, but at the same time you have to like play the game, you know what I'm saying? So um, at the time I was, I was a three sport athlete. So I did soccer, basketball, and track. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did track originally. So I'd have more time for AAU basketball. Cause I was like, no, nah, I'm a hoop. I'm hooping for sure in college. And then all of a sudden I got really fast and I was, I was good. And so, um, you know, I was throwing a discus very far. I got the form down and I was sprinting in a circle very fast. So, um, you know, I, I peaked at the perfect moment my junior year and I ended up getting coaches, um, you know, showing up to my meets and inviting themselves over to my house for dinner. And like, it, it just got really extreme, Man, <laughs> but that's um, intense. It was. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. As I was going through it, I was like, wow, this is okay. So it was just like going with what was an option. And, and to me, no, no matter what it was, education was first. That was extremely important to me to get the best education possible. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't about, even then it wasn't about me going pro in any sport or it, it was never really like a goal for me to do that. Um, and I, I wonder if that's just because I, I knew it wasn't as great of an option financially um, compared to other options or I don't know I I always kind of wonder why I didn't even weigh that as one but um it was just all about like getting the best education possible so when it came to going to Dartmouth I ended up having to choose between a few really good schools um and I verbally committed to BC to be a multi-athlete um so that means I was going to be jumping throwing running everything wow uh, as a running uh, competing as a heptathlete essentially And then I was looking at a few other schools like Bowdoin and Williams and um, those were going to be like basketball and track or just basketball. And then uh, Harvard was going to be track and Duke was going to be a multi-athlete. So it was just like all of these places that I was visiting. And um, I ended up going to Dartmouth. And during my visit on campus, I was like, I don't know, it, it just my gut said it was it. Um, and so it, you know, it got complicated because there are scholarships involved and, you know, how do you decide between everything? And, but at the end of the day, I was, I was lucky enough that I just got to go with the school that I, I just felt like it was the right choice for me. And um, I don't know, I'd say for any athletes who are in college and going through that experience, it really is, it sounds funny, but it really is a gut thing and you get there and, um, just figure out what's best for you. So it, it's kind of messed up, but you kind of, you have to tell people that you're into them and then you break mm. some hearts at the end. And um, that's just kind of how it goes with interviews and anything else. You just weigh your options and go all in on all of them and then end up um, whatever you choose, not looking back and experiencing it. So um, Dartmouth was probably like the, one of the best experiences I could have ever had in college. I met some of my best friends. Um, I was able to not only 
perform as a division one athlete, but I played the saxophone. I was in a band at the jazz ensemble all four years. I was in a band with a few of my best friends. Um, I got to travel because of music. I got to study film and media and studio art and spend those ungodly hours in the art studio. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was just a place where I found that people are extremely passionate and people are also just generally interested in you, you know, and they're like, yeah. want, there are resources and people really want to help you um, there. So they're, they're very much just about like the overall college experience and helping you do whatever you love. So I lucked out um, and I'm, I'm pumped. I actually just found out a couple months ago that my sister got into Dartmouth. So she's going to be there. Um, yes. And I, yeah. It was like a, Whoa, like she was there when I was there, but she was really young and, um, you know, full circle. I'm going to be that crazy alum that comes back. I was like, yo, who is this girl? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you can, you can leave now. It's okay. You graduated. (laughs) Right, right, right. Come on. Oh man. Uh, Big sis. That'll be, there's always room for big sis. Yeah. I'll be coming back more often. I haven't been back in a while, so that'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah, talk to us about some of the risk-taking projects when you after you graduated. So, I think one was where you played the saxophone and did the animation for for something at All Star Weekend, and there's all these different facets feeding in. Yeah, a quote that I love um, that I've brought up in the past is, "If the opportunity does not exist, create it." Um, And I strongly believe that, you know, in order to move to the next level, you have to do more than what you're asked. Um, For me, that's like a career reference, but it could be mostly anything. But for example, like you mentioned, when I was at the NBA, I was fresh. You know what I'm saying? They just hired me. I was a production trainee at like the bottom, bottom of the totem pole. But I was like, man, I'm here. Like say less. This is my opportunity. So I knew that they needed a lot of help with certain areas at the, and at the time Snapchat was popping. So I was Mm. like, I'm an editor. I have so many ideas. Like, let me do what they asked me to do, which at the time was honestly like pretty brainless, but it was like, they need someone to do it. So let me complete that. And then I'm going to spend extra time working on this uh, idea I have. And then I'm just going to pitch it and be like, Hey, like, I know you guys needed something for this. I made this. Um, what do you think? And then, you know, it, it surprises people. They all of a sudden realize what you're capable of and you're filling a, a need. Um, and so I quickly was moved to the Snapchat team and found myself editing, um, different things for like the Snapchat discover. And, and then it ended up being like editing, uh, content and being one of the main go-to people for like finals overnight where you have to cover an entire game uh within 24 hours so when people wake up the next day they have like a gorgeous well done recap of everything that happened the night before so man um yeah the the example you brought up was really cool because my my worlds are colliding which doesn't happen often but when it does it it gets me so excited so it was all-star weekend in new orleans so that's the basketball piece that's the working at the NBA piece. And that's the, I play saxophone and I 
want to go to New Orleans generally just because of it, it's history and jazz. And it's, yeah. So New Orleans and Cuba, those are like the two main spots. But anyway, I was like, uh, how are we not capturing like the overall music and culture of New Orleans? It's mostly just about the all-stars and not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's so much more we can do with it. So for the opening shot of our Snapchat story on all-star that week, I went and found a like big band uh, instrumental and grabbed my saxophone and ripped a solo. Then I took that audio and put that in the background of an animation of uh, the dunk dunk contestants standing there, the judges standing there and Aaron Gordon jumps up, like holds the ball behind his head, whips out a saxophone, rips the solo that I soloed and dunks it. And then like, everyone holds up number 10s. So it's like, no that what started me. yeah. So I was like, that's me on the saxophone with like an NBA all-star animation. All of my worlds <laughs> colliding. All so, of them. Yeah. I was just like taking that initiative and, you know, putting that extra time into something that no one asks you to do, but your gut's like, this would be so cool. You know, like this, imagine if we did this and instead of being like, I wonder, or asking for permission, um, which, mm. you know, I got turned down so much in those meetings. Um, you just go do it. <laughs> right. Ask for forgiveness. You, yeah. And then like, you know, then you find out later if people are into it or not, but then you don't regret anything. Cause I don't know if it matters that much to you, then, um, you did it. And that's, I think oftentimes the only way you can really fail in anything is if you just don't do it. I think as long as you go out and do it, Mm. um, even if you do technically fail or you lose or anything, it's just, but at least you did it, you know? And I think that's the key, at least for me. Kind of similar some ways to the, uh, to what you did with the backboard on the hoop bus, right? With the, what you wrote on there. Um, where did that art Mm. and and the music fit in? Cause you mentioned, you know, playing all these sports growing up and you said before, you know, your parents were the MVPs, um, did their MVP Mm. status extend to art and music and everything else as well? Yeah. Um, as far as my parents or just as far as like me being, well, just them and just what you got interested in on your own and, and how you kind of found time to do it with all the other things going on. (laughs) Um, so my mom was definitely an artist and honestly, low key, my dad, there's a few art pieces I've seen he's done that he he's never brought up, but I've found them like, wow, he was kind of an artist too. But, um, they were both, um, just to a certain extent, uh, artists, especially my mom, my sister now is like an unbelievable artist, Kira. Um, you can look up her art on Kira Jean on Instagram, but she's just like next level, um, can perfectly do a realist painting of exactly what you see. And I, it's beyond me how you do that. But as far as just me getting into art and music, um, I think I've all, I always had an inclination to art. I remember we'd always have an option to go to like, and we'd have an extra period through middle school and you could like go and do whatever you wanted with that period. So you're like, you know, tech ed or gym or like anything. And I would either end up doing uh, sports or art, but honestly, most of the time, because I was doing sports after school, I would go to the art class. Um mm something about just like expressing yourself and being creative. And I, I, um, really just enjoy, like, I don't know, whatever that side of your brain that is extremely creative. Like I could just live there. It's like definitely a huge piece of me. So, um, 
that's always been a, a big part of me. And uh, I was a late bloomer on the music side. I remember um, originally I thought I didn't have time for music, but our honestly, our school was kind of like high school musical. <laughs> like The starting quarterback on the football team was our like lead trumpet player, you know? So I was like, I, I actually, wow. up, yeah, like uh, I was in the jazz ensemble in high school and I was the first alto and, I ended up, um, there's always, it was tough going in between things because sometimes you'd miss one thing because you were at a game or something else. Um, but my, like, I guess the perfect example of just doing too much was I was, uh, I'd play the saxophone, I'd play the national anthem on the saxophone, and then I would do the jump ball afterwards. So oh, wow. uh, that was something that didn't always happen, but it did a few times. And it was just like, man, there's... Yeah, it, there's a lot going on here. And that's, I think that's something that I've always like um, embraced, but also struggled with. I used to go from um, a track meet at Dartmouth and then gotten back right in time to play a gig with my band in like a frat basement <laughs> like, Man. the same day. So it's just like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm always like lacking in time and, but I, I just love doing so many different things. So it's interesting how I, I think the culture has shifted generally towards hyper-focusing on one thing instead of doing all of them. And I think it started shifting right around my age slash a little bit after me. I think a lot more people are like having their kid only play one sport so that they can like really zone in on that and try and do that in college. Um, but I don't know. I, I've found that I'm happiest doing um I don't know, all of the things. So I definitely learned to cut down on them, but it's, it's still something that I uh, embrace yet struggle with uh, on the daily. Go, go into the buffet for sure. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's eating a, everything. That's it. That's it. Was there, Hannah, was there any point in the journey for you where it became tougher than others or that you could look back and say it was it was tough to find the joy in the game of basketball with all these other loves and passions and all the mm -hmm. other stuff going on and some of the pressures that you talked about and alluded to in your the recruiting process or playing mm -hmm. multiple sports at an ivy league school and then going into this really competitive career was there a point when um maybe during the active playing career where it was the joy just was hard to find or harder to find than, than previously it had been. Um, I would say I've always had a joy for basketball and I've never had a moment where I fell out of love um, with it. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of my friends have experienced or had experienced a loss for their love of basketball. Um, especially people that went and played it on a collegiate high level. Yeah. Um, and so I think specifically because I ended up going somewhere where I ran track and basketball was not my main focus. I think that side of me was always kind of like, what if, you know, it's like mm. basketball had always been my favorite sport but I chose to go to a school because of the school and not necessarily because of the sport. Right. Um, and so uh, there's always kind of a side of me that was like, you know, what if I had hooped, but then I wouldn't be able to do all of these things um, 
because basketball is very much a job at that level. Um, same with like football and hockey. Some sports are just a lot more time consuming uh, as far as watching film and working in your game and getting conditioning and other sports like track, you show up and you, everyone else's punishment is your day to day and you physically <laughs> destroy yourself. But that's, if you're a sprinter, that happens real quick. You know what that's I'm saying? True. You go in, you get your lift in. Yeah, that's true. Chocolate milk for recovery. And then you're like, I'm done. So um, I think because I never competed at that level, um, it almost had this like side of me that got more into it. Um, yeah. And I actually, I actually played a lot in college too. I played a ton of pickup. I played um, with a bunch of my friends, uh, especially in the club boys team. And um, I don't know, I, I technically have like a year of eligibility. So I'm always like, you know what, if I ever get my master's or something, it's going to be one of those immersive, <laughs> it's going to be an immersive <laughs> journalism no book. Yeah, to, honestly, but it's there if it needs to be. But I, I'm lucky in that I never lost my love for it. Um, but I think a lot of my friends, had um and i think a lot this is like a sort of side note but i think important to bring up um i think a lot of people once they get out of college especially athletes or people who've had like a very specific regimen through their life honestly through mm -hmm. you know middle school high school college struggle coming out of college because you're like oh my gosh you know like should I play sports anymore? Like, should I, you know, like, what's the point? And should I keep doing all these things that I've been doing my whole life? Um, and I, my advice is like, I think if the point is that you absolutely love it and you enjoy it um, and it brings you joy, then that matters and more than anything. And that's mm. super priceless. So making sure that you hold on to those things that bring you joy from, college and continuing to make time for those things in the quote real world. Um, I feel like a lot of people like get lost after graduating, um, which is extremely understandable because, you know, it's an overwhelming place and there's so many different directions you can go. But if you find a sense of home in the things that you've done throughout life and incorporate that into your day to day in some way, shape or form, I think the process will be a lot easier. And I think just thinking of it as instead of having like a specific end goal, like we're going to win our championship as a team, just having a goal of I'm just going to work on my skill set and continue to do it because I really love it. And maybe you can join a team if you really want to have like a specific um, goal if that keeps you driven. But for me, I, I've always just continued to do those things just because I love it and that's it. So um, who would have thought I'd have like a platform where people watch me play basketball or like I get to have a job where I can watch other people play basketball. But um, I think just because I've continued to do the things that I love for not always the clearest reasons, it's, it's led me to where I'm at. So um, no complaints. You mentioned the no lesson doubt. earlier of, of turn the page that you learned at one of those camps. Um, were there any other lessons that kind of tied into what you just said? Any of those other kind of principles that, that either of those coaches shared with you that have stuck with you and, and helped you kind of navigate the, the post-college world? Hmm. I feel like oh, I've learned so many 
lessons from my coaches. I feel like something that I, I wouldn't say is necessarily from any of my coaches, but um, I've definitely experienced a lot recently. And I actually came to mind when I listened to your eight lessons that you learned from Kobe. Um, I feel like consistency is so essential and I don't know how to word that in an eloquent way, but um, I really think like the, like a huge piece of growth and just like, I don't know, um, keeping yourself grounded and working towards any of your goals is, is never really like a eureka moment or maybe there is once you get there, but I feel like a lot of it is just doing the same type of thing every day and working a little bit towards it. And, um, I don't know. I, I it's funny. I feel like sometimes like I, I've been a nomad recently, so I've been like moving around a lot and uh, yeah. <laughs> traveling a lot and uh, everyone's like, Oh, you're living the dream. Like I'm just working the nine to five and you're just out there every day. And I'm like, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm not to a certain extent. Yes, I am traveling a lot, but, um, I don't know. I find there's like, there's when you like look back on life and you're like, you consider who you were as a being or like what you did. I feel like the things that you're going to really value are the things that you did every single day. And that's like Mm. how you'll define yourself. So um, I don't know. I think there, there's something that's super admirable about like putting that time in every day. And I really think that's like the major key. And so that, I don't know, this is just something that came to mind when uh, I was listening I love- to your earlier podcast. And I feel like something that I'm working on right now and I really want to do to take me to the next level is like build a regimen um, and have that consistency, which I think I've lost in, you know, not having a literal physical home. <laughs> Right. That's so hard. It's like, it's exciting, but it's also like, I have so many goals and things that I really deeply want to accomplish. And until you surround yourself with the right people and put yourself in the right environment and keep yourself honest and are really consistent, it's, it's difficult. So I think putting yourself in the environment that you know, you need to be in hitting up those people that you know, you need help from, or will keep you honest and being consistent. Like, I, I really think that's a huge key to any type of quote, quote success. So, um, I don't know. That's something that I've just like felt strongly lately. So I guess that's my answer. You talked earlier, you have big goals, you have things that you deeply want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear what those are, but in a mm-hmm. minute, but, but, uh, but the, what can happen sometimes is you, you, are so focused on what those are going to be and and you're you're just in this spot that you're in and that's just where you're at and and Phil's talked mm-hmm. about it like be where your feet are and if you're mm-hmm. not if you're not that then you you do you miss out on how much you can get out of or how much you can give to a situation which is ultimately what's going to help you get to those things yes and, and so, and then that consistency piece is the part that's, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not cool. It's not, you know, really, really flashy to be like, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I just got there at 5am every day. Mm-hmm. I, I did, I set out the table the way they wanted me to do it or whatever it was that was really mindless, basic stuff. But I just did that. And then I did that over and over again. And I found these habits that I felt like were helping me and they were not 
impressive. They were not incredible. They were just really basic, but I just did them a lot more, a lot more frequently, a lot more consistently than other people were willing to do them. Uh-huh. And I think some people just see it as, well, it cannot possibly be that simple. I mean, I've got to be doing something other crazy, you know, <laughs> some other crazy thing. I've got to go ask this guy that, or I should be working with what they're doing. What's that person doing on social media? I should be doing right. what they're doing. And then it's really just like, no, this basic thing over and over and over again can be really powerful. Yes. I totally agree with that. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like I have a lot of questions actually that I'd have for you. I'm just wondering. <laughs> well, well, we can we can flip the script anytime, but I want to hear what those big things. What are what are what is on the horizon for you? What are the things that you want to do and and that you have in a vision for yourself? Oh man, I, f- I feel like there's like endless things. Um, but in the same vein, I, I also feel like a lot of opportunities that are going to eventually come up and in the past have come up, have been things that I really couldn't have imagined. And um, I just kind of focused on the next step instead of like getting too lost in the sauce of the future, as you said. Um, But at least where I'm at right now, I I just joined the ESPNW team and um, something that I really, really want to get going in is doing more, um, you know, interviews with players and on-camera content where I can Mm. like work on that side of myself. So that's why I mentioned the interviews earlier, how I'm like fascinated by it. Cause I'm trying to do it myself. Um, So just kind of like building my on-camera presence and also just building and, and um, contributing to the stories of all of these like unbelievable women and making sure that people hear about them and making sure they get um, the love they deserve. So I feel like, I mean, that's an endless section that could go on and on, but that's something that I really want to hyper-focus on. Um, I don't know, as far as short-term, I, I want to build that for ESPNW. I want to record myself playing saxophone more because that's like a big piece of me that people know exists, but I don't share often. Um, I've been in bands my whole life, so uh, it's just something that brings me a lot of joy and and you know, I'm not like a professional musician, but I'm pretty decent. So I want to start recording myself, um, more from on my own page. Uh, man, I I feel like I have like 20 things, but yeah, I think as I said, like baby steps working towards little things. And so, um, ESPNW is kind of the focus right now and just sort of like finding my own voice within it and figuring out um, how involved uh, I can be while also being able to do like my own content and um, balancing all of that. For that one particular project, I think it was maybe your collaboration with Foot Locker, which is pretty exciting. Can you talk to us about that and why you're jazzed about it? The jazz part was yes. an intentional dad joke, by the way, but that's all TD and I have these days. Super jazz. Of- <laughs> <Yes. laughs> At the fingers. That's it. <laughs> Jazz. Yeah. So I um that's with that's I'm super excited about that one. That's with um the woman's line called Cozy C-O-Z-I. Um and so that's their like woman's uh first, I believe, first uh all women's focused brand. And so there's like a lot of really badass girls who are also repping the line, um, who do completely different things from me. Um, but oddly 
one of one of them is my friends who are DJs who are also from Dartmouth, but they're like model DJs for a living. And other girls like a skateboarder, um, big on social media, have been following her forever. But it was just like really cool to see all of these different um women just repping cozy. And it's basically like this athleisure, um, sort of like empowering brand. Um, mm. and I guess the thing that's exciting for me and that I'm I'm very um uh, I don't know. I'm lucky in that because I work for ESPN and have this um, gig that I'm able to do consistently anything that I do for my brand, like O'Flintstone on Instagram or whatever. Um, it's completely, you know, I can only, I can only just work with who I want. Like I can say no to anybody at any time. So that's been really empowering and exciting because there's been so many people that I'm just like, either um i you know it doesn't fit my brand or doesn't fit what i believe in or it doesn't it's not like i can see it maybe working but it's just like not exactly what i want um or you're just not paying me enough so i feel like Mm. saying no for all of those reasons are really important and also just like figuring out what you're doing when you do choose to work with different people like why are you doing that and um what about them do you share values with? And so anytime I've worked with anyone, thankfully so far, I've been felt like very proud to represent them. Um, so I've, you know, been able to have the best of both worlds in that I can do my own like social media brand stuff, but I also am able to like have something consistent with ESPN and they actually really support me in my brand stuff, which is, um, I know rare. And so I, I'm thankful for that. No doubt. Hannah, this has been absolutely incredible. We're <laughs> gonna, we're, we're, we're really setting this up for a part two. This was just the, this was just I'm the like, teaser wait, episode. I your question. <laughs> <laughs> part two, part two, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll get to that. So, um, I'll be ready. I'll be ready, but oh we do God. have one famous last question and this is oh the God. basketball strong podcast. So the question is, what does it mean to you to be basketball strong? What does basketball strong mean to me? Um, I think for me, basketball is the one of the few times in my life where I don't think about anything else. Um, I don't worry about my crazy schedule or, uh, Mm. you know, my lack of sleep or the thing that I have to get done for this person by tomorrow. Like whenever I'm playing basketball, it's fully, I'm fully in it. It's just like tunnel vision and it's just, um, it brings me peace and it empowers me and it makes me, um, I don't know. I I feel like I have never felt out of place when I'm playing and I feel like I deserve to be there. And I think the, the basketball world has made me a stronger person and, um, what does it mean to me? I think it means everything to me. I think it's fully who I am and it's uh, defined who I am as an athlete, as a woman, as a creative, as an artist, um, as a human being. So um, I guess just it basketball strong means to be you and uh, to be in the moment and to be fully 
in it. I don't know, fully embrace all of it, all of you and all of the moments. Lo- <laughs> hey, that's what, that's what we call a game winner right there. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And uh, yep, three, two, one, swish on that one. <laughs> Buzzer beater. <laughs> Buzzer beater. That was so good. And nobody is out there living any more of a basketball strong life than you are. Tell people, though, where they can follow, where they could keep track of all these things that you're doing at such an incredible level. You can follow me at O'Flinstone on Instagram, TikTok, pretty much all the socials. But um, that's O-F-L-Y-N-N-S-T-O-N-E. My last name's O'Flynn. It's a play on Flintstones. <laughs> Copy <And>, Roger. <laughs> yeah, that happened before I, you know, it blew up. So it was just kind of like, I guess this is my username now. <laughs> this is We're it. We're sticking there. with it. We're staying. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just on LinkedIn, if, if you're on there, just Hannah O'Flynn. Um, I currently work at ESPN. So feel free to DM me or reach out to me if you have any questions. Um, I usually answer. Check it out, guys. It's it's incredible stuff, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you. you. Real pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, and we hope you did, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to podcasts on. And so you never miss a weekly episode, be sure to subscribe and follow. You can find previous episodes on our show website. That's www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. For more basketball performance resources and nagging injury solutions, follow me on Instagram at TD Athletes Edge and follow Phil at Phil White Books. Until next week's episode, stay basketball strong. <laughs>